Hi, I'm Luke Campbell and I work for a small wine company and he's... Luke Morris and I work for a big wine company. And together we're Luke's Talks Wine. We talk about all things wine and booze and popular culture, think when to drink, why we drink it and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello Luke. Hi Luke, how's it going? Very, very well, very, very well. Welcome back for season two of the podcast, episode one. Would you believe it? Have either of us been replaced with a new uh, actor, but just the same character? Same character, and we're mixing it up a little bit. I, uh, I'm taking the reins for this season, and uh, you'll be answering the fun-filled questions from my end. We've got a few topics to get through this afternoon, actually, in episode one. And we've got a listener question after the break as well. So this afternoon, we're going to be touching on the wine trends of 2020-2022 and what to look out for. Ooh. And we'll touch on a question a little bit later in the episode. And that will be, how long does wine last once opened? Some people have found some leftover wines over the summer season and thought, <laughs> what would they do with it? And so we'll be answering that question first. <laughs> Doesn't happen in my house, but it may happen in yours. Hey, I love but the first... idea that they've found something. That they were just yes, absolutely. Walking, walking along and I was like, oh, here's some uh, pomeroy. I don't know where that's been. <laughs> Uh, but first, uh, well, but first, what's been happening in your wine world, this, in wine world this week, pal? It's not that easy to say, is it, Luke Campbell? You sit <laughs> no, on the other is. side of the computer thinking to yourself, you keep stumbling over the wine world this week. Pal. And he's experienced the, the, the bother that is the WWWs. <laughs> I should have practiced that a little bit more prior to our intro, but we're up. We're happening. So what's been happening in your wine world this week, pal? <laughs> I like you going with the pal. I, I, I love the pal. The pal's a good one. Well, that's, yeah. that's, you know, that's inspired by Warren HG, potentially. I think Absolutely. that's how he, he ends it up. Uh, yep. What's been happening? Well, obviously, see, the difference between us is that I, I, I work for a company, you run a company. So I... <laughs> I, my wine world is just uh, back to work. Uh, I, I applied for that job last year um, uh, to uh, join the, the buying group at work. Excellent. Yes. Uh, haven't heard back. Um, don't call us. We call you, I think, is what that um, <laughs> means. They call it. The, the, the get my people to talk to your people. Yes. Which yes. is exactly the same people because, they, anyway, mm. <laughs> I don't know what's happening there. Uh, These things take time, um, absolutely. But it's 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 a new year and it's uh, a new a new little bit of a hustle for us. And I think it's great that we just take time to talk about what's happening because, you know, currently. You know, it's it's 2022, but it could be 2020, it could be 2021. It all feels a little bit same, same out there. I don't know if you're you're feeling that too, Luke. Oh, n no. Right. Since 2020, I've changed a job over job with a wine company again. Uh, I've, I've now got, I've been organising events around Victoria, nothing to do with wine. I do stand-up comedy shows around Victoria and that's been going 
quite enough that uh, my job with my wine company is reduced from you know full time to three days a week and um gosh there's been so much has changed i've moved basically to melbourne out of bendigo of it's been it's been wow. a lot is going on none of it's my wine world it's just life world has been going <laughs> in well it's changes. all been happening by the it's yeah. all been happening by the sound of it yeah yeah absolutely um, and have you come across in your wine world that is if you if is something stuck in your craw or have you come across a new trend or what, what have you been looking out for, mate? Uh, whatever my customers want me to find. The fun mm-hmm. thing, I think, well, we, we, we in the group chat that we have um, uh, months ago over summer, I just for some reason had a hankering for Pickpool to Pinot. Ooh, uh, Pickpool which, to Pinot, yeah. Uh, in a, uh, this is basically, a, I want to say it's just a light white wine that you get from, I can't remember what, well, obviously, Pickpool is the um, region. Yes. But, um, in the south I, of France. In there? the south. I, yeah. I would have guessed at the south of France because it has that very uh, warm, summery, light, enjoy yourself kind of vibe. And uh, bless their little cotton socks, the Rye uh, Independent Wine Shop. Uh, down by the beach, I just walked in there, looked at their fridge, and said, "And, and the lady who is fantastic, she's very, very, very good." She said, "How can I help?" And I said, "You know what? I have a hankering for pickpaw to pin it." And she said, "Oh yeah!" And just bent down, opened up a fridge, and slid a bottom bottom from underneath, like the shelf, like on its side. <laughs> yes. And and said like this, and I was just like, "Yes." <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, well, pick pick pool. It's um, I guess you could call it a bit of a neutral white, really. You know, it was originally grown in the Rhone. They grow it in Spain. We grow it here in Australia. There's a couple of great examples of pick pool to Pinay here. Um, but you yeah, call it pool. neutral? Come on, mate. It's it's fun. It's got it is, character. It I reckon. I reckon if you pull one of those out of anywhere, it's, no one's going to look at it and just go. If you want neutral, you're getting uh, New Zealand. I was going to say New Zealand South Blanc, but that's, that's too much. Harsh. That's too much aromatics. But just yeah. the the neutral reaction to the bottle, the the, but the emotion you get from. Yeah, it's it is emotive. It is an emotive white wine. But describe it for the listeners who wouldn't may not have heard of Pick Paul, let alone be able to spell it to their local wine shop. How would you describe, if not a neutral white wine? How would you describe the flavour uh, and the texture of a pickpool, Luke Morris? Do you know what? And I'm going to answer this in the questions that I got asked for the um, wine buying job. Oh yes, they, they said uh, one of them was, uh, what, "What do you like about wine?" And I paused and I said, "You know, I had been thinking about this because I was anticipating, you know, what's your passion for wine? That sort of question." Yes, and I thought for I said. You know what, what I like is the people around it, the, the, the story and the history that you can tell with it, the, the, all the things. And at the end of it, I said, uh, uh, but I don't, it's not really the flavour. Like everything outside of the bottle gets me more excited than the stuff that's inside. So yep. I understand that you, you're like focusing on what's, the, what's, what's inside the bottle. And it's, it is light. If you want to say it's neutral, well, I guess it's neutral. It's got mineral. It's got a little bit of... Um, uh, what would you call it? Sort of, of uh, elderflower kind of blossomy kind of aromatics. Very soft, yeah. not not harsh acid, but so, softest nice acid. It's not it's crisp, crisp, 
is is, is one way you'd say it's not harsh Christmas. But yeah. I guess you're right, it's neutral. But if I try and say to someone, here, have this bottle of neutral wine, that doesn't sum it up for me. No, I guess neutral is probably a trade tasting term. You're, you're right there, Luke Morris, very adequately described. But it's also great value, isn't it? Like, you know, not to disclose, you know, what what you're paying or whatever, but usually you can pick you can pick a bottle of pick pull up for, you know, under 25 bucks pretty happily, wouldn't you be able to? Uh, that was the thing. She, when she pulled yeah. it out from underneath the, the, the shelf at the bottom, I was like, here we go, stitch up. I've asked for something, and she's going to present me with the $48 bottle of pick pull. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I guess put myself under the pump here. That's yeah. $21.99. Thank you. It wasn't 99 cents. No. I don't talk that anymore. But Shut up and take my money. Ah, I almost said, have you got two? But I knew that would just tempt me to drink both of them. <laughs> Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books. So visit lukemorrisha.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au. L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au. Have a great day. And was it the traditional pick bull to Panay from the Luandok Roussillon or was it an Australian knockoff? No, it was it was hunky dory. Look out. Well that, yeah. that is definitely one Ridged of the bottle, uh, one of those beautiful little bottles with the you know, un- unusual ridges around the sides. I can't it's probably there for storage or to wrap something around it, but yeah. Well I, I think pick pull to Panay like um, Alsace and like Shadow Nerf to Pap might be one of the six or seven appellations that actually has a crested stamped AOC supplied bottle. Maybe I could be Does wrong it, there. What, what, but it, it, who in Alsace has? I haven't, I've I've seen a few Alsace bottles lately. Yeah, the Alsace. It's definitely like. Um, well, uh, the Shadow Nerf to Pap has it because they were always the house of the Pope. Yeah, uh, the Alsatians had it because they were um, they. You know, they were exclaiming that they were finally French, not German. Um, but I'm, I'm almost certain that Pick Pull, but I don't know the history why, but I'm almost certain well, that they... I can tell you where they... Or- the, the origin of using those crests yes. was um, it was to negate fraud. Yep. So um, they used to ship wine around in... Uh, they used to ship wine around in... Amphoras and casks and, and send those around and people would, you know, dilute those and that was a problem. So they, it got back to bottling um, on site. Um, and what they used to do as a way to maintain that the correct wine was in the correct bottle and things like that was uh, emboss the bottle. Mm. Um, and I think they embossed with whatever they... The, the, they used to have uh, crests on the crates and things that they used to send around, and they just embossed that onto the bottle. And that's also where the history of putting, you know, your name on your cork. And obviously, if you get French wine now, you still get corks that will say that uh, uh, if you if you can translate the French, it would say bottled. Uh, on the uh, missing bottle or whatever. Bottled yes, in the domain, bottled that yeah. domain. That's a yeah. throwback to saying that this is, you know, this is from us. And um, racks caps are another thing to try and negate fraud. 
Yes. But it's all about it's all about giving customer. This is before labels. Before you could put labels on things, they embossed because yep. paper paper only came in and printing only came in with uh, Guggenheim. The Guggenheim there press. There you go. There you go. You're just a, 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 hist- a novel fountain of history today. I, t- I told you, mate. And there's slightly, I'm slightly more interested in that side of things. <laughs> and do you think that could be one of the trends this this year? I think in 2022, you know, being that we're just coming, uh, you know, th- through the pandemic here. People are looking for stuff that are a little bit more value for money. They're looking for those value-driven wines with a story, like that pick pool for you's obviously got a story. You know, it, it, I know myself, you know, like I'm drinking, um, you know, gr- Grenaches or I'm drinking gam- a few Gamos over summer that are just, you know, they're a little bit lesser in price. They're, um, you know, equally accessible, I guess. Consumers are, are, are focusing on that. Do you think they're focusing on a bit of a sense of place in 2022? Is that what they're doing? Oh, um, I don't know. I never try. I'm, I'm, every year I hear about other people saying what's going to be the big driver. It's usually Riesling. Riesling is always supposed to be the next big thing. Um, it's coming. It's coming back on Luke's Talk Riesling. <laughs> yes. Oh, all oh, great. So, yeah, you know, the Goundry unnoticed Chardonnay, all kinds of things coming back. Um, what do I think will be? I don't know what trends happen. I, I find it hard to. I just let the consumers drag me rather than me try and drag the consumers. Do you think natural wine? Do you think it's here to stay? Can we finally say, as consumers as well as as well as trade? Can we say natural wine is here to stay? The movement, the even though there's been a lot of hostility or um, uh, you know unease, do you think the natural wine it, it's here to stay? Isn't it really? I'm still confused by what natural wine means. To be honest with you, well, a lot of consumers are. <laughs> I, I think you know they they bundle natural orange skins they, they bundle it all in together organic these days they bundle it all in together luke but Somebody i don't think there's me, any yeah, there's a difference between it. natural and organic because organic oh yes oh god organic's the process yeah i think it's hard because we, we did a row for a lot of intrusive stuff many years ago and now you have to get a, a you know a stamp of approval from some governing body to say that you're natural where it used to be you don't have to do that you can just be free but i don't know i don't think it's going to go away i don't think so no i i think i think it's here to stay i mean the 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 thirst of knowledge you know i mean people have been making natural wine forever right but i think now that you know those, those trendier producers have really made their mark and whether it is an orange wine or whether it's a you know, wine on skins, I think uh, it's definitely here to stay. The other thing I want to talk to you about, which has kind of been popping up and it's probably becoming a trend, is this kind of, you know, you might see, you know, reds and whites being blended to make this kind of more accessible (laughs) style and, you know, particularly in the natural wines, uh, I, I had a natural sparkling the other day and it was super juicy and it was super awesome. Um, but it had red wines, it had Italian yeah. grapes in it, it had white grapes in it. Uh, it was grown across multiple regions, 
was delicious, mind you. But is this a thing as well? I was trying to get wrap my head around it, and the person I was drinking it with, or the people that I was drinking with, said, "No, they 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 don't even consider the variety as a thing anymore. Like it's um, these guys wow. were young. These guys were younger drinkers. These guys were." quite into their booze you know like they, they're the type of people that might go out and start with a cocktail and then ease into it but they're not necessarily looking for a white or a red they're just looking for something textural to drink and this this one was exactly that it was a pet gnat it had every variety <laughs> in it under the sun but it was utterly delicious mind you oh, um but if they i got the good bottle it, one yeah. in six <laughs> that's what you that's what you work with on pet gnat well, you know the, the good the good ones the good ones are great, but this particular wine, I just couldn't believe it. You know, it had it, it was a, a kind of a, a pale pink. It wasn't clear, so if we were judging at the Royal Melbourne Wine Show, it would have been considered faulty straight away because it wasn't clear. It was yeah. cloudy. However, it, yeah, like I said, it had Fiano, it had Nero de Avila in it, it had Zabibo in it, um, it it had Chardonnay in it, and it also had some Pinot Noir. Um, so it had a little bit of everything, but I was thinking like Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are obviously very expensive to grow. Zabibo is not grown widely. I, I was thinking this is a really eclectic mix. Um, but Where these do you guys... think they came up with that though? Because obviously, I mean, there's there's lots of different reasons why you blend multiple grapes. Do you think it's Where's the starting point with thinking? Well, you're obviously going to need some Nero Diablo and some maybe some Gewurz Tramino and maybe some uh, Montepulciano and maybe some Riesling all in the same thing. Where, do you, where does the thought process start with that? Well, it would be out of necessity. I'm only assuming these guys were small producers. Um, and so I'm, I'm guessing it would be out of necessity. You know, you, you only can get so much Nero. So then what else is next? Oh, well, I've got some Fiano here. Throw that in. You know, I, I think it would be a necessity. Do you think they got the grapes? Do you think that's is is one of those the necessity being if you if when you're making wine you you need you want uh, as less oxygenation as possible and therefore you want to top up your tanks. You don't want to those. Have, have you been to wineries and seen those floaty tank heads where they puff up the? Yep. They're terrible. Don't use those. Get a full tank with a, with a permanent lid. And just top it up, much smarter, much better, much better for for lack of for pro- protecting oxygenation. Mm. And they just buying stuff to fill up their tank and fill up their, well, I suppose, not fill up their barrel. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good point you raise. I, I was just, I, I was enamoured by it anyway, and I thought I'd raise it. I, I think these guys were a generation after us, and they weren't even considering varietal. And I thought, could this be a trend beyond natural wine, or beyond when they're just looking for delicious, textural, consumable wines? They're looking to buy it, taste it, drink it now, and not think about it, and not pontificate whether it's Riesling, heaven forbid, or Chardonnay, or Fiano. They're just drinking it because it tastes good. So they'll so we'll hit a uh, market in the not too distant future. Where it will be um, uh, Greg's grapes, two thousand and eighteen textual white. Well, I think and we're already there. Greg's people are buying cans yeah. and yeah. people are buying cans of wine. I think we're already there, aren't we? Like 
that the cans of wine might be, it might just literally say a can of wine or whatever. Like, it, I think, I think we're there, Luke Morris. Well, bit. Should we start a, a micro business, mate? Is this the future? Well, is, is, is there enough future in this for us to get a get a few coins, get a few coins well, on the ponies? I or? I spoke to a winemaker about six years ago on this very subject, and his response was to me: one, it's too expensive, and canned wine. Well, it was specifically about rosé. He said canned rosé will never be a thing. Eh, wrong. It's it's everywhere. It's a it's a thing. But now it's even gone beyond that. It's canned wine. Um, not that I'm saying I drink canned wine. I've had a couple of goes at it, and I don't think I'll be a convert anytime soon. Oh, the the, the three that I had were cloudy, off tasting mess. I yes. I, I mean, I know that it's a thing, but should it be? Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure it should be a thing. Anyway, so a few, few trends coming out anyway. So natural wine is a thing. You know, non-varieties are a thing. We've, we've come across, come across a few trends. non-varieties have been a thing for many, many years. I mean, tell me the varietal that goes into port. Tempranillo. And? Well, there can be any. There can be a number of them, but yeah, the, other exactly. is, the other one is uh, tinted a cow. Um, what's the one that starts with S? Sasu. Tariga National. You can keep um, going. I think there's another... Nine. Yeah, nine. <laughs> People back... Uh, and, and, okay, equally, and, and you can, you'll can you nail this uh, uh, without blinking. Try and do it. I'm going to trust that you're going to keep your eyes open. Uh, right. At the end, for this question... Uh, name the, all the grape varietals in Bordeaux. Well, there's five, the Cabernet family, plus the two whites. There you go. Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Malbec, Petit Verdot, Cabernet Franc are the reds. Sauvignon Sauvignon Blanc are the whites. There you go. Did you blink? No. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just indicating that uh, making field blends, just, make, just making a blend of wine from um, whatever grape varietals at hand is yeah. old. It's yeah, we're, we're, we're very recent in the uh, new world of um, saying that this is Cabernet Merlot, and even yeah, not no, that recent right. because we used to, you know, brand stuff as Rhine Riesling in the um, uh, Brossa. Yes, and it was made of Semillon, so you know, worked that out. Yeah. <laughs> well. That brings us to our listener question for this week's episode, and it's we had, we're taking the P one double five a little bit earlier there, but it's a, it's a relevant question at this time of year, Luke Morris, and that is, how long will wines last after the bottle's been open? And it's, this is a question I get a lot, actually. Go on then. So, <laughs> what's well, the answer? Yeah, I mean. I mean we could drill down. Um, you, you could drill down, I guess, and, and say you could look at alcohols and things like that. But in general, a sparkling wine will last one to two days in the fridge, uh, provided it's got a stopper on it. You know, rosés and light reds up to five, uh, up to maybe four or five days at a stretch. 
And then the full body reds, even less, probably three days, I, I would suggest. Three red, you know. Is that because you're leaving them out of the fridge? No. I would leave them in the fridge always. The colder, the better. Yeah. What, would you agree, disagree? Oh, yeah. No, yes. Absolutely. Um, keeping keeping it cold just slows down the uh, microbial oxygen process. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you warm what, what, it up, what, it speeds what, it up. So what about, keep it cold. What about port? Like, you know, we are talking about port there, and I know you were having a port on Christmas Day. Like, how long, you know, because the old adage is, oh, you know, just lasts forever, keep it open. But that's no. not exactly true. No. In a cool, dark place or, a, you know, a cold fridge with a cork in it, how long would you would a port last, Luke Morris? Which port are you referring to, Luke Campbell? Well, let, let's say... Actually, let's bring it back home. Let's let's say a, a fortified wine from Rutherglen. So, you know, a traditional t- topaque. How long do you think that would last with a cork in it once it's been open? Uh, things that have gone through that process, I think from memory, go for at least a month, sometimes yep. up to three. You wouldn't push three months, but a month is probably yeah. good. Yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah, apart from that, still wines... Because that's an oxidisative process. Unlike, put a wool underneath it, vintage port. Yes. If it's a specific vintage, you treat it like a bottle of wine. You drink it within the two-day sort of window. Yep. You know, that's very fair. I I think, you know, how long will a a wine last once it's open? I think two to three days maximum um you know at that at that stage as you say the micro ox the micro oxidization has just about sucked all the goodness out of the wines the aromatics and the intricacies of the wine whether it be white or red or sparkling have pretty much gone and um they have completely broken down so you know the wine at that point becomes quite spoiled and vinegar-esque, doesn't it, really? Oh, yeah. Well, it can't turn to vinegar because it doesn't have the the um, no, no. chemical compounds. Uh, the, the, was it the vinegar mother? Yeah. Um, it, it, the, the, the phrasing it turns to vinegar comes from vin ago. It's this uh, sour, uh, sour, ago, sour, sour grape vin. vin. Um, so that's where it's that's why we we say vinegar, but it's not. It's, it's just referring it to being sour, not actual vinegar you put in your fish and chips. Though, so go no. for it. Put it on your fish and chips. Do what you want. You do you. <laughs> um, I wouldn't mind putting some of it on my fish and chips. It'd well, be it great. Depends on what it is. A, it'd have a sharp vinegar-like smell and have this nutty kind of fruity taste. Get in, I reckon. Oh yeah, if you got vinegar flies roaming around your kitchen and they can. Um, uh, in, inoculates your uh, wines and then turn them into a, a vinegar, you know, and an acidic compound, which is not what they are to start off with. No, well, that's it. The the acid and the bacteria consumes the alcohol, and yeah, the the byproduct is the acetic acid. But that would take, as you say, you'd need that mother, but it's not stopping you still from getting that sharp vinegar-like smell. It yeah. when, when good it wine goes. Time. When good wine goes bad, you, you know it, don't you? You really do. Oh, that sounds like a movie. When good wine goes bad, <laughs> starring Heather Locklear. 
Heather Locklear, look Can we out. go see that? When's that? Who's writing that? Who is writing that? Goodness it's, me. That's gonna, that's, I'm going to make that. Hang on. I'm going to make that a movie. I mean, good wine. That does sound like... Um, that does sound like someone's inherited a vineyard and they don't know what they're doing. And like they so they're going to be stomping around in the grapes and trying to, and then you're going to have the neighbours come across who's got a smaller vineyard, you know, the boutique little producer, and they're going to fall in love, you know. Could be, I mean, I, you know, they get together and then it's good wine turns bad, that, but, you know, it turns out in the end they, um, they uh, fortify it and sell it as a fortified Chardonnay. There you go. <laughs> oh, there you go. You've written the plot already. Look out. You've got your starring actress. Oh, you know, now we just need the funds behind it. But Heather Billy Lockyer. Billy Zane, I think. <laughs> Billy Zane and Heather Lockyer. There we go. <laughs> Sam Neil will come up for some comic relief. He'll, he'll complain about the crows or something like that. Yep. You guys got problems with crows. Excellent. Well, uh, do, you, do, hey. do, you want to, do you want to hear something else? Yeah, sure. Uh, more science and history for you. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was one of the family members associated to the uh, current Verb Clicquot, not Madame Clicquot's side of the family. Oh, actually, it might be one of the more. Anyway, um, the old spoon in the top of the champagne bottle trick. Oh, yes. To keep the bubbles and make the bottle last longer. I was hoping this wouldn't come up. I can tell you the, oh, I can tell you the science behind on. that. Oh, do yes. Great. What, what do you know? Do what, what do you know? No, no, no. Hey, hey, hey. No, you, you're, you're much more science and uh, comedic relief than me. So <laughs> over, to, over to you, Luke Morris. That is um, the, the test they proved there was there was a minor, minor, minor benefit to it. Ultimately not. The main benefit was uh, that people wouldn't touch the bottle and therefore wouldn't cause oscillation and therefore the um, uh, bubbles wouldn't leave the bottle as fast. So the minor benefit is that it does block a little bit of oxygenation, but so minor that that the report I read said um, really don't bother, like it's it's not worth bothering. But the visual symbol and the careful aspect of it was that it would um, help deter people from causing. Right. Well, isn't that, that funny? Because I, I never understood it, but I, you know, just, just thinking about it and that kind of does make a little bit of sense. But I was always under the impression that the teaspoon was, was there like for temperature, so that as the warm air rises, ah. it pushes out that and it closes the um, teaspoon down, blocking the air around it. Then whatever's left, the air gets colder and denser, therefore keeping the bubbles in. So I was under a completely different uh, guise, I, I, I guess. The, the, the teaspoon was, it never did, but it was kind of meant to create this kind of air stopper, preventing the gas from escaping. It never did, of course. Was bollocks. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> well, yeah, but it, isn't that funny? Two completely different um, uh, understandings of the one thing. Yeah. But it's a myth anyway. It doesn't work. It does. It, no, yeah. I, like I said, minor, minor, minor to the point of it doesn't work. Don't bother. You know, it's more yeah. effort. But um, there, there is a benefit, but it's purely psychological. 
Absolutely. Well, mate, that brings us to an end of episode one. We've been chatting for all the best part of half an hour and we've covered our two topics and we've answered our listeners' questions. Uh, if people want to get in touch and deliver us one of those fabulous listener questions, we are all is. Luke Morris, how can they do that? I've forgotten. Uh, can... we, have a, we have a website. Um, no, we don't. We don't have a website at all. Scratch that. Ignore what, ignore what Luke Morris said. He just does science and uh, comic relief. Uh, <laughs> Luke's talk wine at gmail.com. That's how you do it. It's an Absolutely. email address. Fantastic. And send, so send those listeners questions in. And Luke Morris, uh, when they can't find you and your dulcet tones in this fabulous <laughs> podcast, where can we find you out there in the wide world on the socials? Uh, I have, uh, I think it's Luke Morris Ha. Huh? is the uh, at handle that's fantastic and i have been luke campbell and you can find me on the gram at vinified underscore wine underscore services because we are at your service but until (laughs) next week i have been luke campbell and i will in the great words of sony barber sign off and say keep smiling and bye for now vinified are the wine sellers specialists We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings. Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com.au